0: I'm not sure how this one's going to go. My mind has been all over the map trying to put this one together. I always use Pastor Jason's notes, and he gives me permission to do whatever I want to do, but that's dangerous. <laughs> you know, it's just so I'm going to try to look at this one and, and narrow it down so that we're all on the same page. But I would like to start, I told my class the other day, we were doing a story of reality, and I told them what goes on inside my heart as I'm preparing and as I get up to speak in, no matter what venue it is, this is what kind of stirs inside of me. And it's from the book of Revelation. And we're going to be talking about trusting scripture. And so we're going to find out that God is at work in the midst of messy humanity, And he works in their hearts in such a way is that he gives them instructions to write down those things that they go through so that we see the mess that humanity can get itself into, and yet the sovereignty of God in the midst of the mess shaping and molding and directing people's lives. And so in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12, we know that the... Apostle John was banished to the Isle of Patmos, and that was a prison colony, and when he's there, you can imagine what's going on in his mind that, well, my days of ministry are over. He was pastor at Ephesus and uh, an integral part of the ministry of Jesus for three and a half years, and you can imagine now he's in this very lonely, very desolate place, and he's wondering what's next? What would God do with my life? And I'm pretty sure he felt forgotten. He felt estranged. He felt isolated. And suddenly, he is moved from being in the Spirit on the Lord's day into the heavens. And so here's what happens in verse 12. He hears a voice behind him, and he turns to see the voice That was speaking to him, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Like wool, like snow. That's coming. You know that. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. So you can imagine from this barren island that he's on in the sea, suddenly now he has a vision of Jesus standing in the midst of the churches. And he's going to be given instructions. And so if you drop down to verse 19, Jesus is very clear to him and says, write therefore the things that you have seen. So all through the Bible, that's what you're going to be confronted with, that men and women... As they were in relationship with God, Holy Spirit moved upon certain ones to write down what was taking place so that you and I would have a record. And in this instance, at the very end of the book, as we're coming to the end, we're told that he was advised to write the things that you've seen. Those that are, those that are about to take place after this, and as for the mystery... Of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So when I get up to speak and I say, Lord, you are standing in the midst of us. Later on, we see Jesus say, We're two or more gathered, I'm right there. So I hope you understand that This is a very unique situation for us to be part of the church of Jesus Christ because he speaks to our hearts so that our lives can change. And he is here today to bless. He is here today to affirm. He is here today to comfort. He's also here to encourage and to convict because if you read through the seven churches, he always says to them, I see these things that you're doing, and that's good. However, and then he makes an adjustment. And at the end of every one of those churches, he says these words. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I want you this morning, as you're sitting here and as you're listening, to say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart today. Work in me today. I don't want to just take this as just another Sunday meeting. I want to be able to know, Jesus, that you are here in the midst. And so there are messengers that are sent to the church, there's leadership that's put in place, and God watches over His word to make sure we perform it. So I want you to stand with me for just a second, and we're going to do something that we've done many times before. And uh, you know what's coming. Let me explain it before I do it. When I say this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, it means both bad and good. It means that when I read God's word, not just to bless me and encourage me, but also to convict me and to challenge me to repent in areas of my life. So it's going to come up on the screen behind me. Let's do this together. We can say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Stop right there. We are people of faith. And Jesus made it clear, blessed are those who have not seen and they believe. So without faith, it's impossible to please him. And with faith, we can do anything and everything that God calls us to do. And the challenge for us is when we say, I can do what it says I can do. You can't do it if you're led by your feelings. You can only do it when you're led by truth, by faith in God's word. So when you put it out there, God watches over his word to perform it. And so I don't think we've seen God move in our city yet the way we want to see. But if we will latch on to being people of faith, it means it doesn't matter what our eyes see, it doesn't matter what our ears hear, and it doesn't matter how we feel. When I stand up here, I don't have to say, oh, God, I don't feel your presence. I don't feel your pr- You're not here. He made a promise when you gave your life to him. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Never. So when you put your faith in that, even when you're tossed to and fro, you know he is with you. And you have confidence that he'll take you through. So today, I am ready to receive into my life the ever-living, everlasting, incorruptible seed called the word of God. Now, Holy Spirit is here. He is the one who takes the things of Jesus and makes them real to you and me. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit, speak to my heart, change my life concerning my need to trust Scripture. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's a great way to get started. And so... As believers, um, the beliefs that you have and the beliefs that I have are never orphans because we often shift from believing one thing to another. 72% of Canadians do not believe that the Bible is God's Word. 72%. So have you ever looked at the news and realized, (laughs) yep, that's true. That's what's going on in our country. So a belief system that... Our nation has, or we have, can shift around from pragmatism to syncretism to mysticism or just plain nothing. You die, they put you in the ground, it's all over, that's it, done. That's our country right now. The major shift isn't the isms that we see. It's the elevation of self over God. That's the challenge we're having to face today. And that's why faith is so important. That's why the expression of God's word is so important. When I'm praying for someone, I don't have to feel anything. I don't even have to say, oh, God, I don't feel the anointing in the place. The anointing abides in you as a child of God. Why? Because you've been washed in the blood of Christ when you gave your life to him. And then you were filled with the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the life that God wants you to live. And when Holy Spirit is inside of you, what he starts to do is he keeps shifting you away from self back to God. Away from your understanding to the truth of his word. And we're going to see in a moment how that expands in trusting scripture. And so... We learn today that this huge shift that's taken place in our country over the last number of years can be incredibly problematic for all of us. 21% of Christians in Canada will only refer to the Bible a few times even a week. So let me tell you something. We often are underdeveloped in our knowledge of the scriptures. And when you're undeveloped or underdeveloped in it, you have a tendency to shift to self rather than to what the Word of God is teaching. I'll take some scriptures for us and I'll unpack them. And as we go through them, we'll see, oh, God. You have so graciously worked in the midst of your people from Genesis to the end of Revelation, and you've recorded it so that we can see the lessons of history, and we can learn from them, and we can apply the truth and see you at work in our lives. That is part and parcel of this journey. Eight out of ten Christians have something other than God's word guiding what they believe and how they behave. Think about it. We're supposed to be people of the word. We're supposed to be Bible-believing Christians. And so if you're here today and you're not a believer and you're not a Christian yet, let me tell you a secret. And uh, I'm going to take my Bible. I'm going to turn to Matthew 15. It's not going to come up on the screen. I want to tell you how God works because it's really cool. Joyce and I, many years ago, were a mess. We're not a mess anymore, eh, hey, babe? Well, sometimes. <laughs> and you're going to find you're going to meet Jesus long before you meet the Scriptures. And when you meet Jesus, he is going to point you to the Scriptures. And when he does that, then you start to understand the decision you've made to follow him. Why? Why? Because Jesus is glorious, he's wonderful, he's beautiful, and he's absolutely compelling. So I gave my life to Jesus one month after a men's retreat, and they did something really dangerous. They put the New Testament into my hands. 28 years old, never read the Bible in my life Had no clue of what it meant to follow Jesus. I just went to a retreat weekend that was called to live a life in union with Christ. And I did it to get a client off my back. I didn't go because I was hungry for spiritual things. I just want you to know God sets traps. He does. Because we're too stupid sometimes. He sets traps. And he set a trap for me, I went on the weekend, at the end of the weekend, they handed me a Bible, I went home, I started to read it, Joyce and I were not together, I was living alone in an apartment downtown across from the bus depot, and I started to read, and I started to get answers to the questions that I always had in my heart that nobody could answer, and I got to Matthew chapter 15 in verse 11, it absolutely arrested me, and it changed my life at that moment in time. Let me read it to you. Hear and understand, Barry Boucher. At this point, I'm a healthaholic. I don't eat cooked foods. I guess I'd been kind of crazy like that my whole life, eh? Because I'm now a carnivore. But sorry, vegans. But I'm reading this scripture, I'm a healthaholic, I don't eat cooked foods, I've got my sprouts growing in the window, you get the picture, a real wacky pataki right there, and I'm reading through Matthew, I'm starting at Matthew, and I'm reading through it, and I get to verse 11, and it says, hmm, hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles the person. Underline that word defiles. As far as I was concerned, everything that I was doing externally was really, really good. And yet, my whole life fell apart. And that scripture stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, Lord, I have lived the last three or four years believing that I can control my own journey and my own life. And you think about that. I'm reading this. It stops me and says, Barry, you're going to take stock here. Everything has fallen apart because you believe it's from the outside in, but it's from the inside out. Defiling is coming from all of the activities that you're doing externally, and it's poisoning your soul. I got a better word for you. So I just kept reading, but I couldn't get away from that one scripture. Now remember, I did not know Jesus. I met him at a retreat, but I did not invite him into my life. I started to read the scriptures, the scriptures started to read me, and then I got down on my knees because my life was such a mess, and I read Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Mary, you'll be saved and your household. This is God's word, I wonder. So how many know when you take a step of faith, you're not stepping into the dark. You're stepping into the light finally. And you're putting your trust in him to direct your steps. And so I did that. I took a step, I believed God's word, I acted in faith, and God responded. Is that because I'm special? No, it's because I took him at his word. And I said, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to know how to apply this word. So systematically, he began to change my eating habits, my behavior, what I thought about things in life, and started to shape and turn my life around. And the biggest step was when I got to Acts 16, 31, he said to me, it's not about you, it's about others now. I'm going to do in you what needs to be done, but it's going to affect others. So I want you to notice how God works all the time. He wants to help you, but in helping you, he also wants to work through you to reach other people. It's just how God works. So we have behaviors and we have customs that change us often from the outside in, and the kingdom of God is coming to work in us so that it's from the inside out. And God will use every circumstance in our life to conform us to the image of his son. The good, the bad, and even the ugly. And so we have a culture that doesn't believe the Bible is God's word, but we do. I'm going to put up an image on the screen. And I want you to take a look at that image for just a moment. Because this is one of those images. Let me get my notes. It's one of those images that we probably haven't seen. It was a Dutch artist in 1948 that put that together. And it helps us understand how God and man work together. At one point, you'll see one hand writing and then the other one writing. So you don't know which one starts and which one ends. It's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And when you read the scriptures, some people think, oh, man, God's word, it just dropped out of heaven, and it's perfect, and therefore, we don't have to get involved as people. Do you know there are cults that believe that God dropped golden tablets from the sky? So what does it produce? A cult. What does the Bible produce? Real people understand their brokenness and understand that God's at work in them. So when you look at this image on the screen, you begin to see the dynamic of it being a divine book written by ordinary people, moved upon by the Holy Spirit to record what they've just gone through. If we go to the very first example of writing in the Bible, it's Exodus 17 and verse 14. Uh People of God had just come out of Egyptian slavery for 400 years. They pass through the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness. What's the first thing they remember? The Passover meal. And to this day, they continue to rehearse the Passover every single year. Why? So that it's from generation to generation to generation. And so in this instance, they're in the wilderness now and there's a battle going on between Israel and the Amalekites. And Joshua has a challenge in his own heart. And God is going to start the journey in Joshua's heart. In chapter 17, verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua because Joshua is going to become the successor to Moses, and he's going to be there through the whole journey, and he's going to experience things. In verse 34, we remember, cut yourself two tablets of stone like the first one, and then God says, I will write on them. And so we have God at work, man at work, and the both of them together. Exodus thirty-four twenty-seven: write these words For in accordance with these words, I've made a covenant with you and with Israel. What makes us different is we are covenant people. And covenant people know there's a God that keeps covenant with them, no matter what they go through. And so the challenge for us is to say, God, we are going to, no matter what, we're going to stay faithful to you as much as we know how. Do you remember the story of Peter? He said, I am, of all these disciples, you can count on me. And what was the story at the end? Peter denies him three times, full of cowardice. And yet he said to Jesus, of all these guys, count on me. What was the lesson? I want you to know, Peter, it's not about you. It's about me at work in you. And right now you're full of yourself. But when you are prayed for and when you are strengthened and when Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing, then you're going to know it's not you and it's me at work in you. And that would change everything. And so we see this all the way through the scriptures and that we should not be afraid of circumstances that are not always great because they're meant to work in us what is pleasant in his sight. And that's why when you lose sight of him, either in his service or in your family or in your personal journey, it isn't hard to move back from trusting God to trusting yourself. And so you just say, Lord, no matter what I go through, I'm not cursing the darkness. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to hold on to you as much as I know how. And so when it comes to Christians, 80% of us, look at our lives, and sometimes we live ignorant of the value of Scripture at work in our day-to-day life. And we have to be confronted by that. So trusting Scripture, all of our trusted relationships have both a floor and they have a ceiling. And the floors are the foundations. They're the basics. They're the starting points. And the ceilings represent the authority that is over our hearts and over our lives, So when you think of Life Center, I want you to know we believe this book from cover to cover. We believe in the author of this book. We believe in all 66 books of the Bible. 1,189 chapters, and if that's not enough, 31,202 verses. We believe it all. Does that mean we understand it all? No. But we have a relationship with the author, And he loves, when you're opening the Scriptures and you're reading, he loves to sit beside you and go, this is what it means. And he whispers in, and suddenly revelation comes. Just like when I'm looking at my Bible and it's very, it's not what's going in, man. It's what's coming out. Oh, God, change me then on the inside. Begins to speak. And then when you're on your knees and saying, Lord, I messed up my home. I messed up my marriage. I messed up my family. I'm just a mess. And He go, I can clean messes up. Yeah. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying, Lord. I want to believe in Him, but there's nothing up here yet. I'm mean, gonna know you need to renew your mind. Nothing in, nothing out. So if we're not referring to the scriptures as our life source, we're depending on ourselves. And you want to depend on God's word. And so we believe these things, and as followers of Jesus, we believe the Bible, both the Old and the New Testaments, because it's a covenant people all the way through, just different approaches of God in the midst of his people. It's a written revelation of his character, his saving purposes for humanity and all of creation. God is at work in 2022, in November. He will be at, yes, he will be at work this winter when it's cold. He doesn't go to Florida. He'll be at work. And it's God's revelation, the Bible's true, trustworthy, the final and absolute authority for belief and conduct. Lord, you are the authority over my life. I trust your word. I'm going to do whatever I know to do to get it into my heart and into my mind and into my life so that when it's in there, you can take it out and apply it to the needs of my life. In other words, we have to learn to read the Bible in context. We have to be able to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to apply it properly. And so the Holy Spirit, who inspired the writers of the Bible, enables its interpretation and its application. You just don't run off quoting Scripture out of context. You can't do that. One of my favorite ones is from Jeremiah. I know the plans that I have for you. That's written to Jews. It's written at a different time period. It's written to encourage them because they're going to experience 70 years of captivity. And when they come to the end, the plans I have for you are good. But what do you do when you go through all this other stuff? You have to know him, not just the text. You have to know him so that he can then apply the text as is needed in your life. You can take a look at Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, and it tells us that no prophecy of Scripture, and all prophecy means is a proclamation. And when it comes from the heart of God, it said they didn't, Peter made it clear, it wasn't a private interpretation It was God moving upon the hearts of the writers, inspiring them on what to write. And that's why when we showed the image of the two hands, it's sometimes you say, Lord, I don't know if the chicken came first or the egg came first. Not quite sure who's doing this, if I'm doing it or you're doing it. And how many know it's a partnership? And he's at work in us, but we have a partnership relationship as covenant people to put things into practice. That's called faith. And so there's a lot in this statement that I just read, but following Jesus is a lifelong pursuit of learning to trust the Scriptures. Take your hand go like this. That's not loser. That's a lifelong learner. All right? (laughs) Just want you to know that. So following Jesus is a pursuit of learning to trust him, trust the scriptures, while being led by the Holy Spirit and allowing him to do in our midst what he wants to do today. John 16, verses 7 through 11, make this very, very clear. Here's what happens when Holy Spirit is at work in a service or he's at work in the culture. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away, the Helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Is that a promise? I will send him to you. And when he comes, in other words, I made a promise, it's going to be fulfilled. Day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit came. 120 were in the upper room praying. Tongues of fire on every single one of them, male and female. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They obeyed him, they waited, they prayed, he responded, Holy Spirit came, and the Bible says when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. That's Jesus talking. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. And you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Do you remember the moment Jesus hung on the cross and he knew that it was finished? And he had done everything the Father had asked him to do. He fulfilled every requirement to allow us to live a righteous life. He became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in him. And so at that moment, when Jesus said, it's finished, not only was the penalty for sin wiped away to those who would believe, but also the devil was defeated. Jesus had the keys of hell and death a few days later. And what he's saying to us through those scriptures, is that you now live a victorious life in me. You now have the ability of the Holy Spirit in you to do what I call you to do. And you just need to walk it out by faith every single day of your life. And just know when Holy Spirit's in you, he will convict you of things in your life. He will challenge you in areas of your life. And he will just simply keep glorifying me through your life. And so with Jesus, he is summing up everything in the law and the prophets and everything yet to come, and he's doing the work on the cross so that you and I can walk out victorious believers in him. Does that mean everything goes right? No, it doesn't. We live in a fallen world. Stuff happens. Have you read the book of Job lately? Sometimes we say things, why do bad things happen to good people? Because you're a people. That's why. And you live in a fallen world. But God's at work in it to bring it to conclusion. And that's why when you read the back of the book, you go, wow, we win. And you know that you know that you know then that you're in this wonderful relationship with Jesus. Matthew 22 tells us, love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. How many times a day? All day. How many days of the week? All days of the week. How many times in a year? All days. For us, 365 days every year, we say, Lord, I love you. With my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, my whole strength. It's called the Shema. This is a mezuzah. Jewish people put this on the door frame of their homes, and they touch it when they go in their home, and they touch it when they go out. It's from Deuteronomy 6. It's from Matthew 24. We are going to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so when you go out and you touch it, you are recognizing God is at work in me. This is not just ordinary. Lord, you have things for me to do in this day. Direct my steps. And how much more when the Jews of that day became followers of Jesus, and now they knew they were the mezuzah. It wasn't an artifact anymore. It was God filling their hearts and souls so that they could put it into practice and live it out every single day wherever they went. It wasn't just stuck on the doorpost of their home. So for us and for Jesus, the Bible is knowing we're loved by God, actively loving God, and then loving others in his name. For Jesus to say this, he drew on the Bible's fruitfulness, authority, and ability to transform our lives. And if following Jesus means we grow to accept what Jesus taught as accurate and truthful, but our belief in Jesus is separated from the Bible, we must honestly say we are no longer following Christ no matter what we call ourselves. He is our authority. His word is truth. We need to align ourselves to the scriptures. And when we do that, he shows us they're right. He shows us They're fruitful. He shows us they're life-giving. He shows us they change us from the inside out. And so sometimes some of us are discovering what it means for Jesus to be foundation in our life, for him also to be authority in our life. And then others, some of us here today, are wrestling with what the Bible says about faith. We're wrestling with forgiveness, forgiveness. I had a family member in England say to me, I will never forgive them. And we were sitting in a pub, and I said, oh, you have to forgive because God has forgiven you in Christ, and you need to extend that. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to do the same. So what was he trusting in? Self rather than God. You hold on to it. Forgiveness needs to be extended. What about finances? What about sexuality? What about politics? I'm not touching that. And what about idols? You see, some trust Jesus' foundation for faith, but are not sure that he should have final say in other areas of their life. When it comes to trusting Scripture, here's what Life Center does not believe. We don't believe each time the Bible is quoted, it's quoted properly. Sometimes people use Scripture to manipulate Each time the Bible's used, it's done so in a God-honoring fashion. We don't believe that that always happens. There are people that manipulate other people by using the Scriptures or deceive. So that's why you need to know Him and then allow Him through His Spirit to give you discernment in God's Word. The devil knows and quotes the Bible, yet never accurately or in a God-honoring fashion. But our foundation is absolutely clear. Here's a quote by a woman by the name of Mary Wiley, who's written wonderful things. She said, God has revealed himself to us in two key ways. Through Jesus, the word made flesh, from John chapter 1 to verse 14, and through the written word. Through Scripture, we learn about God's character, His actions, past, present, and future. And it also reveals what we are to be and how we should live. How are you living? Are you living the good life? The good life is, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's the good life. So when we talk about foundation, we're talking about this impartation of true and sound wisdom from God to us. And impartation is an interesting word. It holds the essence of being told, being given, or granted something. So the Bible's true and sound wisdom is told, given, and granted access for you and I to understand how to walk with God. All through the scriptures, particularly for us in the new covenant, his word is unfolding to the point where we can know that we know that we know how we are to live in him. And so let me finish with just a couple of scriptures. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, finish it. God created the heavens and the earth. So who was in the beginning? God's in the beginning. We always go back, Lord, what does your word say? What decisions should I make in my life coming out of your word? And if we do that, we will find out. Romans 12 says to us, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. And that process that goes on means don't be conformed to the world, but be conformed to me. And then your mind will be renewed as you go into the scriptures. So we need knowledge from the inside. We need knowledge from the outside. We need people working around us that will challenge us and encourage us. And even when pressure comes and the conflicts of culture, they are meant to let us grow up. And when we grow up, <laughs> we can make a difference in the world around us. Jesus said these words in John fourteen nine. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So let me ask you a question. Have you seen him? Do you know him? Is he on your thoughts, in your heart, and in your decision-making every single day? I said it earlier. You will meet him before you'll meet the scriptures. I know there are challenges to that where some people are real students and they apologetics and they want to get to understand everything, can I just tell you, meet him and the rest will make sense. He will do what needs to be sung in each of our hearts and lives. So let's stand together. You've heard me say this a million times. When you open the Bible, the written word reveals the living word. But let me flip it over. When you meet the living word, he reveals the written word. And then you can trust not only his leading in your life, but you can trust the word that has been written down so that you and I would see God at work in the midst of his messy people. Pastor.